Hi, everyone. I'm Anna Stockstead with University of Minnesota Extension. And I'm Dave Nolley with the Minnesota Logger Education Program. Today, we're back with another podcast episode, and today we'll be discussing the riparian management zone and filter strip guidelines. Our guest today is David Wilson, who is the Applied Science Coordinator with the Minnesota Forest Resources Council. And before that, he was involved with the guideline monitoring program at the DNR. So thanks so much for joining us today, David. Thanks for having me here. So I'll get us started off uh, here, David. First off, I've been at this only about 18 months and I'm I'm still confused. So I'm pretty sure there's a fair amount of confusion out there over the differences between riparian management zones, we call them RMZs and filter strips. So how are these RMZs and filter strip guidelines different in what actually happens in application in the field? Yeah, good questions, Dave. Um, so I'll start off by just describing what riparian management zones are. Uh, and briefly, riparian areas are broad areas of land that transition from aquatic to terrestrial ecosystems along lakes, streams, and open water wetlands. They're characterized by an expansive set of forest resources, including plants, animals, habitat, and water that provide a lot of important ecological functions. The Minnesota Forest Resources Council Forest Management Guidelines define a riparian management zone as that portion of the riparian area adjacent to a stream, lake, or open water wetland where riparian management zone guidelines apply. RMZs are areas uh, that are dependent on the recommended RMZ width, and that varies according to the stream, lake, or open water wetland characteristics. Now, a filter strip is a specific area of land adjacent to a water body that functions to trap sediments, nutrients, and organic uh, organics and pesticides, uh, and other contaminants from entering the surface water. Vegetation may include combinations of grasses, sedges, shrubs, and trees, or they can be dominated by one vegetation type. Filter strips are identified prior to forest management activity, and they serve to protect any water feature type. The filter strip width is dependent on the water feature type and slope. Uh, the minimum width is recommended to be 50 feet for all water feature types. And the recommended width of a filter strip, as I mentioned, is dependent on the, both the water feature type and the slope. Um, for slopes greater than 10%, we want to increase the width of that filter strip by two feet for each slope percentage above 10%. Forest management activities can be conducted within filter strips as long as the integrity of the filter strip is maintained. Soil disturbance is the main issue here. And so we want to keep soil disturbance in the filter strip below 5% of the area and not concentrated in any one location. And that's really to help limit the, the movement of that sediment into the water body. If disturbance exceeds 5%, then the site must be rehabilitated to an adequate pretreatment condition. We want to use slash, clean straw, or other appropriate materials to ensure that the filter strip will intercept sediment or nutrients from entering the surface water. Thanks, David. I think that's a really good overview of the differences between RMZs and filter strips. I know it's really easy to get confused, and I really think it boils down just to that difference in function. You know, RMZs are providing habitat along that transitional zone, and then filter strips are filtering out sediment. So I think, thank you for the really good description of the two. But I know it's also easy to get confused about where these guidelines do and do not apply. So, for example, what if you have a non open water wetland? Do the RMC and filter strip guidelines apply to those? 
Yeah, good question. So uh, non-open water wetlands don't typically require a riparian management zone. Uh, RMZ guidelines apply on open water wetlands greater than one acre in size, and those require 120 foot RMZ. Open water wetlands less than an acre in size require a 50 foot RMZ and all trout waters, trout waters require 165 foot RMZ. But uh, what I didn't mention is streams and rivers. And so streams less than three feet wide also get the 50 foot RMZ and streams greater than three feet wide uh, get 120 foot RMZ. Um, so for these non-open water wetlands, we, uh, would apply a filter strip. Um, we're talking about things like vernal pools, seasonal ponds, mineral soil wetlands, seasonal wetlands, seeps or springs. And then that filter strip width uh, would be, as I talked about before, a uh, minimum of 50 feet and then increasing with slopes greater than 10%. Um, let's see, RMZ width is uh, measured as slope distance. That's one important point, not the horizontal distance. So we want to actually kind of measure what the terrain is like on the, uh, out there on the ground. Um, the, the RMZ width uh, may, you know, it may either be parallel to the edge of the water uh, following a, a curved line, or it can be a straight line. Um, but in either case, we monitor that width uh, by taking three representative transects from the water's edge uh, landward, and then determine compliance with the MF MFRC recommendations based on uh, the width of those three, three transects. So we average them. Great. So, um, you know, in slightly different life, not that long ago, you worked in the guideline monitoring program um, before coming to your current position with MFRC. Uh, so thinking back to then, you know, how are we actually doing with the implementation of RMZs and filter strips for that matter? Uh, maybe what are some things that you've observed uh, or you did observe back then uh, that, uh, that apply to um, RMZs and filter strips? Yeah, good question, Dave. Um, so with regards to riparian management zones, total implementation uh, to, to meet the forest management guidelines has varied between about 56% and 96% as of 2022 uh, in, the, in the watershed sample unit monitoring that we do. Um, typically it's been trending up. Uh, and so overall the average is, is a little over 70% implementation, but it, it actually really is important to look at what is being done on the ground. So, almost everybody is actually trying to do something regarding a, a riparian management zone where it's uh, recommended. And sometimes there are terrain features or, or site considerations that limit the potential width of the, the riparian management zone. And so in about 20% of cases, we're seeing that uh, slightly narrower RMZs are managed. And those uh, typically average about 75% of the recommended width. So, so people really are working to manage these important riparian corridors, um, both for sediment and, and, and hydro, hydrologic purposes and for the important wildlife habitat corridors that they represent. Um, with regards to filter strips, um, those are, are almost always 
applied as intended. The only things that we're seeing are things like uh, landings might encroach on, on the recommended filter strip width. Uh, sometimes a road might go through that filter strip uh, or a skid trail could be established in there. Um, and those are, are less than ideal conditions. Nonetheless, we really see excellent performance of these filter strips. Uh, they're, they're somewhere around 99% effective in keeping that sediment and, and nutrient load out of surface waters. So that's really good news. And, and most people are pretty aware of what's going on. The, the one caveat I would uh, put out there is that it's really important to evaluate the site ahead of time uh, during snow off conditions. So we can really see where these wetlands are and where that filter strip should be established so that when we're out there during winter harvest, for example, we aren't placing these infrastructure components uh, within the filter strip. Thanks, David. That's great to hear that monitoring is showing that implementation is pretty high for RMZs and filter strips. And it really shows that folks care, you know, about our water bodies here in Minnesota, the land of uh, 10,000 lakes. So that's great to hear. Um, and with that, I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. And to our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode on wildlife and leaf trees. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Anna and Dave.